you have your Bibles tonight, would you open them please to Philippians chapter 2. The title of our message is All Stars for Jesus. All Stars for Jesus. Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading with verse 12 and go through verse 18. The words of the greatest Christian man who ever lived, writing to the church at Philippi, writing to Miles Road tonight. The Apostle Paul, beginning in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 2, says these words, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both the will and the do of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights, you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yes, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice in the service of your faith, I rejoice. And again I say rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. Our world defines stars as any famous people in the profession of entertainment or sports. If you ask a worldly person who is a star, they will tell you it, it could be anybody that's famous in the world of entertainment or sports. Based upon that definition, Lady Gaga is a star. Katy Perry is a star. Brad Pitt's a star. Leonardo DiCaprio is a star. LeBron James is a star. Tom Brady is a star. And maybe they are stars in their own way. But do you know that the Lord has stars? There's earthly hall of fames. I believe there's a hall of fame in heaven. And just as well, I believe that there's stars in God's kingdom, just like there's stars in this world. In the verses we just read, the Apostle Paul is talking about those stars. Those men and women who shine in the darkness of this world for Jesus. Men and women who bring the word of life to this world of deadness. Who are these stars, you might ask? He doesn't give us any names. You know why? Because you might be one. I might be one. And there were many in his day. He names no names. He's not going to name drop. But what he does is he gives us the characteristics of the stars for Jesus that make up his kingdom. Four characteristics I'd like to give you 
of the stars for Jesus. The first is they do their part. They understand what they're supposed to do, and they do it. Look at verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Notice the next phrase he says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now that phrase, work out, work out, is a mining term. It means to go down into the shaft, into the mine, and bring out the silver that's already there and bring it to the surface. To go down into the mine shaft where the silver already is. Are you listening? Where the silver already is and to bring that silver out to the surface. Understand something. When God saved us, He worked Himself into us with His Holy Spirit. He worked Himself into us with His Holy Spirit. And what we're to do the rest of our lives is to work Him out to work Him out through our worship, through our witness, through our service, through our giving unto the church that we serve in and the world that we live in. He's already in us. He came in at salvation. He worked Himself in. Now we're to work Him out and show others what we have within us. Stars for Jesus are faithfully committed to doing their part to build the church and reach the world. They're working out this Jesus that's in them. They're working out the talents. They're working out the gifts. They're working out the worship, the witness, the serving, the giving. They're working it all out to bring glory to the one who started it all. And by the way, we'll finish it off. When I was coaching, I taught elementary PE for a couple of years, physical education. And one of the activities that we would do was tug of war. Tug of war. We'd have an eight-man team on the right, eight-man team on the left, and you know how it goes. And there's one long rope, and they tug against one another, trying to pull the other side across the lines that are marked. When you have little boys and girls that are in the third and fourth grade, it's interesting the different attitudes about tug of war. Some were very serious about tug of war. And they would always pull more than their share. I mean, they just wouldn't pull. I mean, they were gritting and, and pulling and sweating. They were into that thing. And sometimes they were on a team. And then there were others who were less serious about tug of war. They they would put their hands on the rope, but they'd be smiling, waving. I mean, it really wasn't a big deal. They'd hold the rope and they'd even tug it a little bit as long as they didn't have to break a sweat or, or, or mess up their hands. 
And then there'd be others on the team that were not interested in tug-of-war at all. I mean, they held the rope. They had to hold the rope. So they just hold it. That's about it. Just hold it. No pull, no nothing. Just hold it. And then there was a few who would just say, Coach Palmer, we really don't want to participate today. So they would just stand back and stare and watch. Now, they, they could do that because when you had your eight-man team, I wasn't supplementing it. If you didn't want to participate, that's fine. Your team will have seven. Your team will have six. There was no substitutions allowed. You see, all stars for Jesus, when they grab the rope of their responsibilities, they're serious about it and they give it their best effort. They just don't hold the rope. They just don't pull a little bit to get by. And they certainly just don't stand and watch others. They're serious about what God has called them to be and what God has called them to do. The second characteristic of stars for Jesus. You say, I want to be a star for Jesus. I, I want my star to be on the asphalt of glory, the gold of glory. Well, first of all, you need to understand your part and do it. God's given you a responsibility to do something, and it's not sit and stare at me. It's to worship, it's to witness, it's to serve, it's to give. Secondly, all stars for Jesus do it without complaint. Notice verse 14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. There's two types of complaining or belly aching, you might say. The first is upward, it's the vertical, it's to God. The second is the outward, it's the horizontal that we do to one another. And Paul says if you want to be a star for Jesus, you're not going to complain this way and you're not going to complain that way. I want you to notice the two words he uses. They're interesting words. He says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Murmurings in this context is speaking of complaining to God. Arguing with God is even a variation of how the word could be used. Disputing with murmuring to God. Complaining to God. Complaining to God. Arguing with God how he's treating you, and how he's using you. You ever done that? I hope not. And then there's the word disputings. Disputings is about the same thing, except you're doing it this way. You're complaining to others. You're challenging others on how you're treated and how you're used, and how you're compensated. Paul says, don't complain. Don't be guilty of murmurings, arguing with God, bellyaching to God about how He treats you and how He uses you. Don't be guilty of disputings, telling people how, God how you're mistreated and how you're misused in the church. Don't be guilty of that. 
People who are stars for Jesus, they're not rebels and they're not whiners. They comply with their duties as given by God, as given by those they serve with. And they accept the place that God has put them in. They accept the assignments that God has given them. They accept the compensation that they receive. In other words, stars for Jesus follow Jesus by following his orders. I heard the story about a missionary who served in southern Nigeria for many, many years. The ministry in southern Nigeria at that time was very safe and it was very easy. The people were very open to the gospel and hundreds of thousands of Nigerians in southern Nigeria came to know Jesus through that missionary's work. I mean, it was just an oasis, you might say. And then he was called by his mission board to leave southern Nigeria and go to northern Nigeria. Northern Nigeria is about 95% Muslim. The ministry there was not safe, it was dangerous. It was not easy, it was hard. It wasn't successful. If you want to know the truth of it, it was an abysmal failure. Southern Nigeria was an oasis. Northern Nigeria was a desert. The missionary was asked what he thought about this. What did he think about his mission board yanking him up out of southern Nigeria where he had a great church filled with many people and everything was going his way? To go to northern Nigeria where his church had only a handful of people and nothing ever went right. And you know what he said? Soldiers and servants do not question. They obey. Stars for Jesus, they do their part. You give them an assignment and they're going to do it to the best of their ability with the maximum effort. Stars for Jesus do not complain. They don't complain to God, they don't complain to others about how they're treated or the orders they're given or the compensation they receive. Thirdly, in verse 15, they are righteous in the way they live. They're righteous in the way they live. Notice in verse 15, Paul says concerning the stars of his day that they may be blameless, harmless, sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I want you to see three words in verse 15 if you have a King James Bible. The word blameless, the word harmless, and the phrase without rebuke. People who desire to be stars for Jesus, first of all, they're blameless. You know what blameless means here? It means above reproach. Accusations and allegations cannot stick to them because they're Teflon coated with righteousness and it just falls right off. They're above reproach. Also, they're harmless. That word harmless means speaks of consistency. 
day in and day out. They talk the talk and they walk the walk. You're not going to see them one way on Monday, another way on Tuesday, up on Wednesday, down on Thursday. They're continually and amazingly continually consistent in their way of living for Jesus. And then he says they're without rebuke. This word without rebuke means without spot or blemish. It was a word that could have applied to the Lord Jesus Christ, who was a lamb without what? Spot or blemish. It means that their life, as much as possible, is clean and free from the contamination of sin. Because they keep short accounts. They confess their sin daily, and they are forgiven daily, washed and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Paul calls them bright lights and straight arrows in a dirty, dark, crooked world. It's interesting. He says when you find people that live such a life like that, righteous life, they're, they're like a, a straight ruler. They're like a bright light. In a world where there's so much darkness and so much crookedness. Let me ask you a question. How do you know if you're dark? <laughs> By putting yourself next to light. How do you know you're crooked? By putting yourself next to something that's what? Straight. Light shows darkness. Straight shows crookedness. You don't have to tell people they're dark. You don't have to tell people they're crooked. All you have to do is live in the light and live straight. And your message will be loud and clear to a generation that cannot see they're in darkness. A generation that cannot see they're crooked. You see, we want to argue with people. Arguments accomplish nothing. You're dark. No, I'm not. You're crooked. No, I'm not. And so get back, go back and forth. Instead of talking it, just show it. Without saying one single word, your presence and my presence, our conduct, can shout out loud, you are dark because my light's shining all over you. And you are crooked because my walk is straight. People who are stars for Jesus, they live righteous lives. And the world around them sees it and knows it. And then lastly, stars for Jesus. They live and serve for others. Live and serve for others. Verse 17 and 18, Yes, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice, the service of your faith, the service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you rejoice and rejoice with me. I want you to notice that phrase, offered upon the sacrifice. Verse 17. The Apostle Paul is talking about when a sacrifice was offered to the Lord, 
how oftentimes a bottle of wine would be poured upon that sacrifice that was burning. And when the wine hit the fire of that sacrifice, it would vaporize. And the aroma that would come up off that sacrifice of that vaporized wine would be very, very sweet to the nostrils. And what he's saying is, when we sacrifice our lives for others, it creates a aroma, a sweet fragrance for the nostrils of God. When we sacrifice our lives for the service of others, it creates a sweet aroma that comes off that sacrifice that rises to the heavens, to the nostrils of God, and He is pleased. One day we're going to die, ladies and gentlemen, should Jesus tarry. And when we die and face Jesus, you know all that's really going to matter? Not how big our house was, not how many cars we owned, not how money, much money we had in the bank, not how high up we went the corporate ladder, not how beautiful we were. All that's going to matter in that day is what kind of impact did our lives have for Jesus? Did we make a difference for others concerning Jesus? Did we influence and impact the lost and dying world for Jesus? Did we create a sweet fragrance for Him to smell and enjoy as we work for Him down here? Did we? On May 2nd, 2011, the order was given to take out Osama bin Laden. A special group of special forces Navy SEALs were sent to accomplish the mission on the ground at the compound he was believed to be at. The 25 that were selected to actually come off the helicopters and enter into the compound, the three-story building, those 25 Navy SEALs did not expect to return. They believed that this was going to be a death mission for them as they went to take him out. One of those SEALs was asked why they were willing to do that. Why were they willing to volunteer for a mission knowing that the chances of them coming back are small percentage to none? Why were they willing to go? Why were they willing to die? Why? And you know what one of them said? Because it wasn't about us. It never was about us. It was about 2,996 Americans who died on 9-11. That's who it was about. And every one of us would have gladly went and did whatever's necessary to honor the loss of their life and to bring glory to our country. Our lives are not about us. Are you listening to me? Our lives are about bringing glory to the Father who is in heaven. 
Our lives are about honoring the sacrifice of His Son on a cross. Our lives are about trying to reach a lost and dying world with a gospel that can save them and change them. Our lives are all about building a church, a church that will last for eternity for His glory. That's what it's all about. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about each other. It's about each other. Our world has its stars, and they will be forgotten one day. God has His stars. Men and women who do their part, men and women who do their part without complaint, men and women who live righteous lives in the midst of a wicked world, men and women who are willing to serve and willing to die if necessary, Get the word to others, to serve others. Tonight, we have a constellation in the sky above us. That constellation is made up of stars. Stars that we have here at Miles Road Baptist Church. Because the light shines pretty bright around here, sometimes those stars don't always get noticed. But tonight, I am going to notice them. I am going to point them out to you. They are bright stars at Miles Road Baptist Church in the service of God's kingdom. I would like my staff, wherever they're at, to all come to the front and sit up here, please. Bring your spouse with you, please, if you would. You might have to tighten up a little bit. That's okay. Everybody coming to the front. Just have a seat, please. Just have a seat right there on the front pew. Now, I haven't promoted this, as you know. I haven't told them. They're totally surprised what's going on. I want to talk a little bit about the staff, if I may. I'd like to, first of all, thank you, Amy. Amy is our director of children's ministry here at Miles Road. She's also a ministerial assistant to the entire staff doing whatever we ask her to do without complaint, I might add. Under her leadership, our children's ministry has been strengthened, stabilized, and solidified. From Sunday school to the Iwana program to Children's Church to Vacation Bible School and to all the camp ministries. She has done a phenomenal job. And I am glad and I am proud to have you serve on my staff. And then we have also Debbie Dunlap. Debbie has been here 10 years. My, has time fly. And if you're in the hospital on Tuesday, you'll see Debbie. Because Tuesday is her hospital days. And all of my staff, including myself, visit hospitals. Debbie is in charge of our 
women's ministry and our counseling services. I might add that under her leadership, this church has developed one of the finest women's ministries in the state of South Carolina, I believe second to none. We have over 20 plus small groups in operation. There is a small group taking place every day, just about every time of that day for you ladies to plug into and have socializing and fellowship, but more important than that, have sound Bible teaching. And it's because she's worked diligently, along with the fine staff that she has built under her, to make this happen. Under her leadership, we've had two prayer conferences now. The first one is so popular and so sought after that we have to have two to fit all the ladies. And that's good, because that's what makes this church special as we are praying church. Under Dr. Debbie's leadership, our ladies' ministry has reached heights I don't believe it's ever reached before. And Debbie, I am proud and honored to have you serve on my staff. And then we have Karen Davis. Karen, where are you at, dear? Come on up. Some years ago, we made the children's Learning Center Director, a part of our staff. So Karen is the director of that operation that ministers to boys and girls throughout our community and in our church Monday through Friday. You might come here Monday through Friday and say, why is all the cars here? Is there a funeral? No, there's not a funeral. It's those boys and girls coming to our CLC and all of those that work here. And our CLC is also one of the best in the low country. When Karen took over the CLC, I don't mind telling you, it was a mess. And she rolled up her sleeves and she said, Pastor, we're going to get the job done. And she did. I'm now proud to tell you that our Children's Learning Center has morale that is sky high. Finances are sound. Children are advancing physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually that we care for. And the parents who send them are happy with what's going on here. In many cases, we have a waiting list a mile long to get into some of those classes. Karen, I am honored and proud to have you serve on this staff. Thank you so much. And now we're going to go to the fellas, if you don't mind. Ladies first. But now let's talk to the, about the staff of gentlemen that God has given me and you here. Stars, a constellation, if you will, that's in the sky over our head. I want to start with my son, Justin. I don't know if you know that he's my son. I don't necessarily point out my family. But I'm, Justin is my son, and I'm very proud of him. He's our IT director. He's our coordinator of of special projects. He works very closely with Norman. In fact, he's probably Norman's right-hand man on many occasions. What Justin brings to our staff, because he's young, is he brings freshness. He brings brightness. He brings innovativeness. He brings energy. He's sharp. I might add to you, when we were looking for someone to fill this position, it's a part-time position, I wanted somebody that was creditable and had credentials. 
And yes, he's my son, but I couldn't find anybody more credible with better credentials. He works at the Citadel. And he was the employee of the year there several years ago because of his outstanding service there. He has worked himself up the ranks without having a lot of education, but a lot of knowledge and a lot of get-after-it mentality. He's loved and he's respected. And I'm glad to have him with us. Proud of you, son. Love you. And then, Keith, you've been here for 25 years. Your tenure on staff is longer than mine. <laughs> he was here when I came. Him and Mike Royal. And if you're in the hospital on Monday, you'll see Keith. He's the minister of worship and music. And also the minister of complaints. <laughs> Under his leadership, this choir we call the Celebration Choir is second to nobody. There might be bigger choirs in America, but there's none any better. It is stocked with people who can sing. And they sing for the right reasons because they have the right leadership. They're blended, they're balanced. And Keith himself has a voice that very few people can equal and nobody can exceed. Keith, I'm so proud to have you with me on this staff. You're loyal and you're faithful and I appreciate that. Norman, I'm now going to address you. Norman is our director of missions. When we send mission teams out, he puts it all together. From start to finish, it's his. He's not only the director of missions, but he's also facilities director and manager over everything that takes place on our campus. You might say he's a jack of all trades, and a master of every single one of them. He's gifted with administrative skills. He's a stickler for details. He has a vast knowledge of anything and everything. He's fiercely loyal to this church. And he barks occasionally. <laughs> but he doesn't bite. And if he does, he has a rabies shot, so you don't worry about it. Norman, I'm so thankful that you serve on this staff. Proud of you. And if you're in the hospital on Wednesday, you will see Norman. And then there's Sam. If you're in the hospital on Friday, you'll see Sam. <laughs> Sam is our student ministries pastor. He's the leader of our junior high our senior high, and our college-age students. He has taken that ministry that was in wonderful shape when he inherited to even higher levels than it ever has been before. He has brought his own personality, his own philosophy, his own methodology to that ministry, but he's kept in place much of what his predecessor did because he was smart enough to know when something's working, you don't need to change it a lot. And see, that's a credit to him because many young ministers, they just want to come in and dismantle everything and start over. He was wise enough not to do that. 
When it comes to student ministry, Sam is the total package. His temperament, his patience, his knowledge, his energy, his love allows him to keep up with that group right over there. He's the total package. And you're, if you have young people, you couldn't put them in any finer hands than him and his wife and his staff that he has under him. Let me tell you how Sam came into this ministry when Mike left to go to Eastside and Spartanburg you may not know this because some of you may not have been here. We did a nationwide search to replace Mike. We probably got in about 70 or 80 resumes that I thought were credible. Probably 300, but 70 or 80 that I thought even had any kind of credibility. And of that 70 or 80, there was probably about five that I thought could be of interest here. After interviewing three of them, I was ready to pull my hair out. You would have had a bald-headed pastor if I continued in the process. I didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't want to just put somebody in that position. I'd rather it be empty than put somebody in that position. And God brought Sam. and Sam said, Pastor, I've been working with Mike, and I've got a secular job, and I'm doing pretty good at it, but I've always wanted to be a student ministries pastor. And I'm willing to do whatever's necessary to get this position. You don't have to pay me as much as I'm making in my secular job. You just, just give me a chance. And I'm glad I did, Sam. You have kept your word and you have done an amazing job. So I want you to know he wasn't just handed that position. He was given that position because he was deserving of it. And Sam, I'm so proud that you're a part of my staff. So proud. So that's the constellation, ladies and gentlemen, that God has given us at Miles Road. Every time you look at your staff, I want you to think that they're stars. And they're shining bright for Jesus as they serve you, as they serve me. And as we take this thing God has given us called Miles Road and we advance it in whatever that means in the days to come.